Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? I'm Rajan, and I'm recording this podcast Sunday evening, just a matter of hours after the Washington football team lost to the New York Giants by a final score of 23 to 20. Now, Patrick's not here. He's off vacationing in the wilderness area somewhere in the big sky state, if I'm not mistaken. But with that, I'm actually going to forego the usual format of our post-game podcast that we do on a weekly basis. And I'm instead going to go into four or five major tentpole takeaways from today's game. I'll start here. For those who have listened to previous pods, and for anyone who's a Washington football fan, frankly, um, I've made it pretty clear that while I, among everyone else, hates the Dallas Cowboys pretty much as much as one can hate anything, to me, the New York Giants in that hatred column are a really, 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 really close second. And the fact that the Giants could very well end up as a 4-12 and or 5-11 and football team at season's end, and to be clear, I don't even think they'll be 5-11 and because I think this team is trash and I don't see them getting to five wins, but two of those wins, whatever they get, have already come against Washington. That's absolutely vomit-inducing to me. I mean, let's be completely clear and honest with ourselves. Their general manager, David Gettleman, sucks at his job. Their head coach, Joe Judge, Joe Judge, I was about to call him Joe Brown, uh, Judge Joe Brown. Their head coach, Joe Judge, probably sucks. We'll find out about that not sooner rather than later. And their offensive coordinator, Jason Garrett, definitely sucks because we have years of evidence to justify the latter. And even with all of that being said, we've still lost five times in a row to these assholes. The last time we beat the Giants, it was weeks before Alex Smith would suffer that horrific and career-altering leg injury. Uh, In that vein, actually, credit to a dude in Philadelphia, I can't remember who it was, but for this stat. Since 2017, the New York Giants are 6-2 against the Washington football team. And they're 8-41 and 41 against the rest of the NFL. Let me repeat that for emphasis. New York is 6-2 and two against Washington and 8-41 and 41 against the rest of the NFL. It is absolutely baffling and maddening that no matter how bad the Giants are, and they have consistently been bad over the last several years, they still find ways to beat us. As far as today's game... Um, It just felt like it was something that kind of got away from us from the very get-go. It's a very familiar feeling, unfortunately, for Washington fans where you make one mistake early on in the game and it just kind of seems to snowball from there. Case in point, literally our first offensive play from scrimmage was that Antonio Gibson catch and run that ended up being that fumble ruski down the field that New York obviously recovered. That would segue into a first half of football that was as bad a half of football that Washington has played this year. It was, again, borderline unwatchable at times. Now, the second half was obviously a different story, but just as frustrating in so many cases. Um, I would actually say that in the second half, I really believe that it would get to the point where we were going to either tie the game, if not score the go-ahead touchdown to win the game. Um, And and I wanted to rip my hair out after the game when I was talking to my dad about it because it kept saying the same thing over and over. The Giants were trying to give this game away. They were trying to blow what would have been the fourth time they lost a game despite leading in it by double digits at one point in the game. As the Giants 
so graciously kept trying to give us a win during this game. It kept trying to throw away the win or kept trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. In response, Washington kept saying, thanks, but no thanks. We have no interest in winning today. Like over and over and over again. And it was just so goddamn frustrating. And I think that leads me to my main point or takeaway number one was that you can't realistically expect to win a game when you turn the ball over five times and your final turnover margin is minus five as a result. Like, you just can't. If you want to somehow try and make excuses for the five turnovers not being that bad, I'm doing air quotes right now, you could possibly start with the idea that those five turners, five turnovers excuse me, only led to ten points for the Giants. So you could theoretically, although stupidly, say that, well, it could have been a lot worse. But as you could probably gather, most people would find that view painfully, if not ignorantly, myopic. Um, the, the interception that Smith threw before the half almost certainly cost this team three more points at minimum. Washington was on the Giants' 18-yard line when it happened. And then both of the second-half interceptions came when momentum was decisively on Washington's side. After Washington cut the score to 23-20, to they forced the Giants to punt, they got the ball back with just over five minutes left to win the game. And again, as someone who, in myself, who tends to expect the worst for this team, I, I really thought Smith was going to lead us down the field to get a field goal at least. And instead, while admittedly under pressure, Smith threw that ball that was too high for McKissick that McKissick tipped up and it landed in the hands of Jabril Peppers, you know, that waste of a draft pick from Michigan who's, who's dirty hit sideline Kyle Allen for the foreseeable future, that Jabril Peppers. And um, that pick obviously gave back the ball to the Giants, but the Giants only killed 30 seconds off the clock after making that interception, meaning Washington once again got the ball back with 148 remaining in the game and at least one timeout, if I'm not, mista if I'm not mistaken, and yet on the second play of that ensuing series, Smith gets baited by Logan Ryan, and that's the ball game. So at minimum, because of turnovers, Washington left at least three points, if not a lot more, on the field. And when you lose by three points, there's your margin of defeat. This is a trend, as they showed during the game. Uh, Washington has turned the ball over six times in the first quarter, which is more than any other team in the NFL, and they've surrendered as many points off turnovers as any other team in the NFL. And I believe the number is 62, if I recall correctly, meaning 62 points off of Washington turnovers this year. It is painfully obvious, as we cross over to the second half of the season, that this team is, is not good enough to consistently hand the opponents free points and expect to remain competitive, let alone win the game. So I'm going to go over to takeaway number two for me. Um... The run-pass balance by Washington was problematic. A lot of people brought this up, and they were right. We all know that Scott Turner, to some extent, is still getting his legs underneath him as far as being a play, a play caller. But walking out of this game with a grand total of nine rushing attempts split between Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick seems like a major, major mistake. I understand that Washington faced a 17-point deficit in the second quarter and that the Giants' front four did a good job of pushing some of our guys around. But nine carries equates to two carries a quarter. That seems miserably low. Now, it's admittedly a bit of a chicken-and-egg argument, but 
the fact that Washington barely tried to run the ball this game has to be attributable to the fact that Washington only held the ball for about 23 and a half minutes in terms of time of possession. It's hard not to see the correlation as well between Washington going all aerial so lopsidedly and the Giants starting to bring more and more pressure once they realized Washington doesn't have any interest in running the ball. Alex Smith is obviously not nearly as mobile as he used to be, and thus they have the potential to, to kind of go and tee off on him. And it should also be noted that the pressure on Smith was one of the reasons why the first interception, or the second interception rather, the one referenced to, but to Peppers, happened. Um, the idea of running the ball in general is one of the most hotly contested concepts in the football analytics world. And I, I won't tell you what's the right number of times to run the ball, whether it's today or in general, because I don't know, and I don't know if anyone knows. But what I do know is that Smith, or dare I say Dwayne Haskins, is not good enough to be the focal point of this offense and put the entire unit on their shoulders. And I'm mentioning those two in particular because it seems like we've lost Kyle Allen for the rest of the year from what reportedly sounds like a dislocated ankle, lower leg fracture. And actually, to that point, I'm going to take a left turn real quick to Kyle Allen. Um, obviously, his, his injury was just devastating, and it was so unfortunate on top of the nature of the injury itself because you could see him getting more and more comfortable in this offense, and you just don't want to see a kid who's barely 24 and a half years old endure that. Like, you don't really want to see anyone endure that for by and large, but especially someone who's so young and just starting their career. But... Back to the point about running the ball. Again, not running the football means that either one of those guys moving forward, meaning Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins, are throwing the ball potentially upwards of 40 times a game. And for reference, uh, Alex Smith and Kyle Allen combined for 39 passing attempts today. That's not a recipe for success with this offense, and it needs to be rectified. I'm sure it will, especially if Washington can stop coughing up the football in the first quarter, but this issue needs to be highlighted. And it's a really interesting, if not ironic, juxtaposition when I bring it to takeaway number three. It's that Washington's run, de run defense was frustrating, if not alarming. The discrepancy in watching these two teams run the football, or not run the football in the case of Washington, was, again, so much more like making you want to rip your hair out of your head because um, the Giants entering this game were worse at running the football than Washington. And for whatever reason, which we'll let the coaches deduce, the Giants had ample success running the ball in this game. It was just, it was it was one of the most painful things in the world watching Wayne Gallman Jr., a guy who'd never run for more than 45 yards in a single game this year, suddenly start gashing our defense and watching Alfred Morris turn the clock back to like 2012 or 2013 as he was bludgeoning our defense. It was very clear early on when the score was closed that Washington's defensive game plan was to have the front seven cause as much distress to Danny Dumpster as possible in hopes that he'd commit one of his signature turnovers. And it was also really clear, and I think the, the, the announcers alluded to it, that the game plan for Daisy Dukes was to take a three to five step drop on every passing attempt, hit his last step, and get the ball out as soon as he could once he his, his his foot hit that last step, and you know throwing the ball to his simplified reads. And I actually think both of those ideas kind of went out the window because the Giants could just stuff the ball down Washington's throat play after play, thereby removing any need for Jones to throw the ball, and 
and make a mistake, very likely so, since they were ripping off 4.7 yards on their 35 attempts today. It was so painfully obvious, rather, that even after a bye week, Washington's defense got so tired in the first half, considering they're on the field so much. It was very, very, very visible. Um, if I had a dime for every time the broadcast guys brought up the five first-round picks on Washington's defensive line, I'd probably have enough money to make an absurd offer to Daniel Snyder to buy the team outright from him. But even with that aforementioned pedigree, the fact that a team like New York, who doesn't have their feature back in the lineup, isn't good at running the football, has a dodo bird for an offensive coordinator, the fact that they were so decisively able to run the ball against us is really disconcerting, and I hope it stops today and we never have to bring this up again. Uh, speaking of things we should never bring up again, I'm going to go to takeaway number four, and that's we need to stop any conversations about winning this division. When you're a fan of the Washington football team or you know, the team name that used to take place before, or they used to be in place before the Washington football team, you've become numb to the comedy of errors that you watch from this team on a given week, right? But after such an encouraging win, albeit against a really, really bad Cowboys team, you just felt like this team was about to turn the corner. And you felt like there was a snowball coming of some positive momentum heading into what looked to be a stretch of very winnable games, or realistically winnable games, I should say. And now you're left to once again question yourself. Washington plays Detroit and Cincinnati over the next two weeks. And as I've said before, I don't consider either of them to be worse teams than the Cowboys team we played last week or the Giants team we played this week. So to reflexively chalk up those two games as W's is mistaken at worst and ignorant at best. Or mistaken at best and ignorant at worst, I should say. Today's loss leaves Washington at 2-6 and six through 8 games, which projects out to a 4-12 and 12 record. Let's just say that's not promising. Unless we're talking about the race to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields in the 2021 NFL Draft. I think... We still have to say that the NFC East title runs through Philadelphia, although they're massively flawed, because, but they're starting to show some signs of life as well. They got a few of their injured pieces back, and for whatever it's worth, they still have the best quarterback in the division in Carson Wentz, though for the record, I am selling my massively distressed duplex on Carson Wentz Island, and I'm taking a healthy financial loss in doing so by selling it so late, but... Back on point, there is no universe that exists where I see the Giants or Cowboys winning this division, and maybe I'm being overly emotionally reactive today's loss, but I don't see the sequence of events that leads to Washington winning the division this year. So it is what it is. We are what we are, and that's where we have to, that's where I guess I'm going to wrap up the recap for today's game. Although I do have a few leftover notes, so perhaps I'll drop those in a subsequent midweek podcast or maybe just let them fester in the back of my mind amidst everything else with this loss. But as mentioned, Washington plays Detroit this Sunday, um, this upcoming Sunday, I should say. Uh, Detroit has one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. They'll likely be without their top receiver in Kenny Galladay. And they're coming off a game in which they lost and they benched Matthew Stafford in the process likely furthering the schism between the locker room and a head coach in Matt Patricia, whom they all universally or nearly universally hate. Like, everyone hates him. There's no way that, like, anyone would do anything for Matt Patricia if you're the, from the perspective of being a Detroit Lions player or fan for that matter. 
So needless to say, we really need to get a win this upcoming Sunday unless we want to see things get really, really, really ugly. So uh, anyway, this is Rajan signing off for this podcast episode, and I will leave you with my implorations once again. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud or on iTunes where you can find our podcast. We are on Spotify now. Find us on YouTube and most other typical social media channels of that ilk. But until then, we will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.